This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Presented by Bank of America. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And welcome to episode 2174. If you've got a home improvement project, you are in exactly the right place because we've got tips, advice, ideas, and experience to share with you to help you get that job done right the first time out. Coming up on today's show, are you wondering if it's time for new kitchen cabinets? Well, if your kitchen cabinets are a bit tired and worn, we're going to tell you how to choose brand new ones that will step up the space but not blow the budget. And if you've ever stepped into a shower hoping for a good awakening, but you find a less than inspiring trickle, you know how frustrating poor water pressure can be. But the power of a good shower may not be out of reach. We're going to share how to restore the flow. And we could all use a little more sunshine this time of year, and spotless windows can help. We're going to have tips on how to clean your windows like a pro, and you won't even need a single paper towel. So pick up the phone and give us a call. We've got this last week of February. Hopefully it's the last cold week. Spring is a-coming, so let's get ready with home improvement. Give us a call, drop us a line, send us an email, whatever it is, we're standing by. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT. That's 888-666-3974, or post your questions at moneypit.com. Hey, let's get to it, Leslie. Who's first? Jan in California is having a wallpaper removal situation. Tell us what's going on. I've been removing wallpaper and repapering for 50 years, and I've never come across where you take the wallpaper off and it looks like there's a paper lining behind it. I've had some people tell me that this is a filler for the um, texturing so the wallpaper looks smooth, and others tell me that it's a liner. And it fills the whole wall with pencil lines where the wallpaper goes. I don't want to damage the sheetrock that's underneath. So I'm a little leery about taking that off or leaving it on or what I should do with it. So your end game is to get down to the drywall? Well, it doesn't have to be if I can texture over uh, what's there. But it's almost like a paper. And I don't know if we can put the mud and everything on that. If it's adhered well then I don't see why you couldn't texture over it. Do you want to use a textured paint? No, I want to uh, use the texture that I've had on the other walls. The key here is whether or not the surface that you've exposed is well adhered to the drywall underneath. 
If it's well adhered, then you can go ahead and put your texture over that. If it's not, then your texture could be on there for a couple of months and it could start falling off in chunks when that backer paper pulls off. As long as it's well adhered, then I don't see any reason you can't go on top of it, Jan. Okay, I appreciate you and enjoy your program all the time. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Bill in Tennessee, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? I'm trying to claim some uh, pressure-treated deck. This is on the second floor of my house, and also on the ground is uh, stone. What we have here in Tennessee is crab orchard stone. It's a soft stone, and it's turned black. Uh, the, The stone has turned black over time. It's about 15 years old. And the pressure-treated wood is turned black also. And I wanted to see what the best thing to clean both of them. I've tried cleaner on the end of a garden hose, and it don't. It don't and I followed the instructions, but it didn't do much at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like a combination of you know the wood aging and also mold or algae. Now, you know, a pressure washer set to an aggressive but gentle setting, if that makes any sense, um, will probably do the best to kind of attack this growth on it. If you could use some bleach and water or wet and forget a product like that, that will, you know, do a good job of, I'm not going to say attacking, but you know what I mean, like really aggressively going at this growth, that will probably do a good job of, of, you know, getting to the base of it and removing it from it. If you can get more sunlight on the area to sort of beat this shady mold growth that's happening, that will help tremendously. You know, there's some things that you can do there. Okay. That's good. Thank you very much. Heading to Minnesota where Beth is doing some work in the bathroom and you want some toilet help. What's going on? The toilet kept running. The water kept running into it. So I decided to install a new field valve and flapper. And I measured everything, and I followed the instructions, and I did solve the original problem, but now I developed a new one. When it, when I flush it, the water goes into the bowl okay, except now anything in the bowl goes to the top of the bowl, almost to the rim. And then when the tank itself is filled, then the bowl goes down slowly, and it flushes, but then it only leaves a little water in the bowl. So I call the manufacturer... And um, talked to them. He said, well, try plunging it because it might be a clog. So I did that. I tried hot waters and bleach to see if I could get that, if it is a clog. But nothing has worked. And I don't know what to do. I give up. I mean, that's what happens typically in a clog is it'll fill to the top and then the tank will fill and then it'll, you know, that suction force will just bring everything down. Yeah. And and the ones that are the trickiest to diagnose is when you have a partial clog where you have some water that's getting passed but not a lot. So I wonder if something uh, is uh, is lodged in either the trap of the toilet or the line beyond that. And really the next step is to have a plumber come out and do a drain cleaning of that. I'll tell you a funny story about how this happened when, uh, when my kids were younger. We had a, a toilet that was clogged in a downstairs bathroom. And I outside this bathroom, we had a willow tree. And I knew that the willow tree roots used to get into the plumbing line. So I immediately assumed that that was what it was. And I went outside and dug up my yard and found the pipe clean out, which was a couple of feet below the surface. And I snaked one way and snaked the other way. And I, I couldn't find any clog. So um, I thought, well, maybe it's between the pipe break 
uh, in the toilet. So I decided to pull the toilet off. And don't you know that when I did that, I turned it over and noticed something blue in the bottom of the toilet. And of course, you're not supposed to have anything blue in a ceramic toilet. It turned out to be a little toy telephone that one of my kids had dropped down there that was letting just enough water through um, to uh, to trick us. And so you never know what's going to be in there. And if you have a partial obstruction like that, that could explain for what's happening. Okay. Well, the only thing I can do then is to get a plumber. Yep. You don't want a carpenter, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Beth, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T, MONEYPIT. All right, now we've got Derwin in Texas who's dealing with a fascia board situation. Tell us what's going on. I have a fascia board uh, that is rotten. The way it's put on there is... I have a one by four fish board that's nailed up on there, and then the one by two is nailed 
uh, on the top portion of the one of the fascia board, yep. and uh, which kind of and the gutter is nailed to the one by two. So I guess the one by two keeps the gutter from resting up against the fascia board. Keep, Got it. Keep rotting. Mm-hmm. So, but the drip edge. There's a drip edge that's nailed to the top. So like a two by two uh, drip edge, and uh, the top uh, part of the drip edge is nailed to the roof deck. And then it uh, it uh, lays the other half is lays into the gutter. So what you want to know is how can you get the rotted fascia board out without taking apart your gutter and your drip edge and your spacer and all that stuff, right? Right. There's no way to to uh, surgically remove the the fascia. It's like one part of the assembly. Right. So you'd have to take the whole thing apart. Now, I mean, it's not a. It, it sounds like a lot of work. It's not a tremendous project to get a gutter off. It's not something you can do yourself because you don't want to bend it. So you have to do it with some help, take the gutter off in one piece. But there is an opportunity here, and that is that when you replace the fascia, I would not put wood fascia back. What I would do is I would use a product called Azek, A-Z-E-K. This looks like wood, so it can look like that old 1x4 that you had, except it's made of cellular PVC. So it cuts like wood, and it looks like wood, but it never rots. So I would definitely suggest that this is an opportunity to improve the material that you're using there. Now, whether or not you put back the spacer and the gutter the way it was before is up to you. You really don't need to have a spacer. You could put the gutter right up against the AZEC and then have the roof just lay into the top of the gutter. That would be the most normal assembly for that kind of thing. But if you want the spacer and it just works out better because that's the way it was before, then what you could do is buy one by six Azac, cut uh, a one and a half inch strip off of it, use that as a spacer, and use the rest as you'll have one by four left, and use that for the fascia, and you'll have the strip just in one uh, one piece. So it cuts just like wood. Looks like wood, cuts like wood, doesn't rot like wood. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Kathy in Delaware is on the line and wants to talk about gutter options. Tell us about your house. I'd like to know what type of gutters would be best for a two-story colonial house. Well, the same kind of gutters that would be best for a one-story ranch house. (laughs) The ones that are properly installed, properly sized, uh, and cart that water well away from the foundation. So here's a couple of things to know about gutter selection and installation. First of all, what's very, very important with gutters is the number of downspouts. Because one downspout can typically only handle 600 to 800 square feet of roof surface. So no matter uh, what type of uh, installation, you need to really focus on making sure that there's enough downspouts. And where this can get tricky is if you have, especially with a colonial, let's say you have an upper roof, and sometimes that drains to a lower roof like over a garage, and now you've got all of the upper roof plus part of the lower roof going down to one downspout that's at the end of the lower roof, then that scenario, those spouts can get easily overwhelmed, and that means the water overflows. It can cause decay damage into the framing. It can also drain right at the foundation perimeter, and that can lead to issues with flooding and disruption of your of your uh, foundation. So I would tell you to make sure you have enough downspouts. Secondly, in terms of the gutters themselves, four-inch K-style gutters are the standard. If you would like to do something that's a little bit better than that and one that is less likely to clog, consider the six-inch K-style gutters. How about the covered gutters? In terms of the covered gutters, they're a good option, but you have to choose them carefully. There are many types of gutter covers that are out there. The ones that I like the best are the ones that work on the principle of surface tension. So what happens is the rain 
uh, runs off the roof shingles onto the top of the gutter cover, and then it falls through a groove in the front of the gutter cover into the downspout, yet the leaves wash off the ty- off the uh, front. Are they labeled to get more clogged than the open ones? No, they're, they're going to get less clogged than the open ones. Um, if you use something like a screen on your gutters, which is the way we used to always protect gutters, those can uh, get uh, clogged quite readily. Right. I've had them and taken them off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you're planning a kitchen remodel, new cabinets may be one of the costliest components, but they're also the most important part when it comes to getting the kitchen design that you want. We're going to lay out the options in today's smart spending tip presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Now, first up, if you're planning to replace the cabinets, there are really three levels of cabinet customization that you ought to consider. The first and the least expensive is stock cabinetry. Now, stock cabinetry is mass-produced, and they're not easily modified. But that said, manufacturers do offer a wide variety of stock cabinetry that can be a perfect solution and save you considerable cost at the same time. All right, next up, your option is semi-custom cabinets. Now, this is kind of the middle ground between stock and custom. The variety allows you for slight modifications, and I mean like things like height, width, depth, at the time of production. Now, there's also a wider array of matching moldings, trims, and finishes that are available, but you're going to find that the price does go up accordingly. And then, of course, this is the uh, the big spender here. We're talking about custom cabinets. Now, these are going to be created especially for you and for your kitchen, And that pricing is determined by the complexity of the design and the materials that you choose. So if you're in demand of fine craftsmanship, that's what you want, or you need some significant customization, custom cabinets are the way to go. But be prepared. There is a price tag that comes along with that. Yeah, but I'll tell you, when you walk into a kitchen that's done with custom cabinetry, oh, my gosh, it is so They're so beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Now, in terms of popularity, light-colored cabinets with a mix of open shelves and some glass-fronted doors are going to provide sort of that visual depth that tends to open up a kitchen. They're very popular right now. But remember, just small changes in hardware like new door handles or drawer pulls can also make a huge difference in the overall look of a kitchen. And that's today's smart spending tip presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Earn 3% cash back on online shopping. Apply at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. This episode is brought to you by Saks.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ed's got a problem in the basement and some sort of mysterious odor. What's going on down there? I purchased a home back in 2015 of August, and uh, about three months into it, I lost power in the basement, and it turns out I had some moisture in the electrical electrical outlets. So um, those outlets have since been closed off, and I was told I had to get them rewired 
but apparently there was some moisture coming in somewhere. But ever since I purchased the home, I'm, there's this odor that radiates from the basement, and it's just like, like a chemical odor, and it comes upstairs and literally gets in everything that's the clothes and everything that goes with you to work, and it stays in the clothes. I just can't seem to get rid of it. Is the basement unfinished, Ed? Uh, no, unfortunately, it's finished. It has paneling against the wall. It has paneling? Yes. And does it have carpets? Uh, half the basement has carpet, yes. And the carpet seems drying everything, so I was hoping it was like something radiating from the carpet, but uh, it, that seems to be okay. So my next option is basically to uh, get a waterproofer in here and potentially have the basement gutted and finished, you know, seal the walls. No, you don't, want, you don't want to do that. So I do think that the most likely source of the odor is, is simply dampness, and because it's partially finished, you know, the materials can, when they get wet, they can also hold uh, bacteria, and that can cause an odor. The carpet is off is absolutely terrible. That will hold dust and dust mites and dirts and can really contribute to the smell. But the solution is never, ever to call a basement waterproofer. Those guys generally install one kind of system and one kind of system only, and that's a series of drains and pumps that pump water out. But your problem um, can be easily resolved by doing two things. Number one, improving the drainage condition at the foundation perimeter. So that means adding soil where it's flat, sloping it away from the walls and that sort of thing. And secondly, and even more importantly, looking at the gutter system, making sure the downspouts are uh, clean, free-flowing, and extending from the foundation perimeter at least four to six feet. So those two things will reduce the amount of moisture that collects at the perimeter, and that will reduce uh, humidity in the basement uh, and certainly reduce any chance of flooding. Once that's done, I would probably also opt to install a dehumidifier in the basement, and I would put in a good quality dehumidifier, such as one from Santa Fe. They have some nice units that hang from the ceiling that really do an effective job at uh, pulling moisture out. And you can set up that drain so that it basically drains outside or to a condensate pump, so it's not like you're going to have to empty a pan of water uh, now and again. Then at some point, you're going to have to decide what you want to do with that basement. I can't tell you how many times I've seen paneling pulled off to find lots and lots of mold behind it, and that may or may not be the case there. But I think if we reduce the moisture uh, in that basement, I think you'll find a lot of the odor will dissipate. Okay, and as far as the uh, electrical outlets in that basement containing a little bit of moisture, condensation—it's all—it's all related. It's all the same issue. Uh, you've got a lot of condensation there. Okay, take a look at MoneyPit.com. Right in the home page, there is a good article, one of the most popular ones on the site, uh, about how to solve uh, basement moisture problems and flooding. Okay, will do. Jerry in Massachusetts is on the line with a very mysterious noise. What is going on? Well, I don't know if it's the cold weather or what, but I get this loud, loud bang in my house. It's not a certain time of day. It's, it can be at night. It could be in the morning. And it's, I would say it's like a corner of my house, and I can't figure it out. Does it happen uh, when your heating system kicks on? No. It's just random. It could happen at any time of day, and I can't figure it out. Do you have duct a duct system, or do you have radiators that give you heat? Baseboards. Baseboard radiators. Okay. Do you have central air conditioning? I do. And does it happen uh, in the summer as well as the uh, the off season? No. 
I only uh, detected in the winter. Okay, well, a, cu- a couple of things here. First of all, if your boiler's not uh, tuned up properly, you can get a condition called explosive ignition. Like if too much gas comes out and then the boiler ignites, it can do so with a bang. And that's generally disturbing and, and very unsafe. So I would make sure that the heating system was serviced. And the second thing that often causes noise that far exceeds uh, its damage is something called a water hammer. And this can happen when water is running through the pipes of the house and stops suddenly. The centrifugal force of that water continuing down the pipe will cause it to move or shake. And that can result in a bang that goes almost end to end uh, on the house. And the solution is both to secure loose plumbing pipes and install something that's kind of like a shock absorber for your plumbing system. It's called a water hammer arrester. So those are the two most common in your types of uh, in your type of heating system and plumbing system uh, areas where I think uh, sound can originate. All right, Jerry, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Well, if you've ever stepped into a shower hoping for that good morning awakening, but you find that that's got a less than inspiring trickle, you know how frustrating that poor water pressure can be. Ah, yes, but the power of a good shower may not be out of reach. Now, look, the first step is really to kind of figure out if the problem is with the fixture itself, like the shower head, or the entire plumbing system. If it's a pressure problem that's limited to just one fixture, then that fix can be a lot simpler. For example, shower heads often get caked with mineral deposits. If you take them off and soak them in white vinegar and then put them back on, you instantly have a better shower. But if you find that a number of fixtures in the house have a water pressure problem, then the solution is an entirely different matter. Yeah, I mean, if you're finding that this issue is just everywhere, I mean, the first kind of thing you want to think about is maybe there's a leak. It it seems kind of obvious, but if the pressure problem came on fast, you could definitely have a leak somewhere in the house that's causing this. So be sure to check those less obvious places like the crawl spaces, the basement, all the things that you never think to look, but perhaps there's water going on down there. Now, another thing is debris and mineral buildup. You know, debris like dirt, sand, pollutants, they can enter your home's piping system when a water main fractures. And even a small amount of sediment can block your home's piping and decrease that water pressure substantially. Now, if you've got an older home and you have steel or galvanized water piping systems, that is probably the most problematic issue when it comes to water pressure. Because what those pipes do is they actually rust internally and they tend to clog. Like Think of it like a clogged artery for your house. And then the water can't get through. So if that's the case, you have to actually replace those pipes. Now, rule of thumb, if you're doing any plumbing work, well, not just plumbing work, if you're doing any construction work in the house and you open up walls or ceilings and you find those old steel pipes, replace them at that time. Don't wait for this to get worse. Replace them if they're exposed because they will internally rust and they can actually break too and that's a bigger issue. And today, you could make that replacement with by using PEX, cross-link polyethylene plastic piping, which is super easy to work with compared to copper. Uh, so it definitely makes sense to fix it when you find it. Now, what about a pressure problem, but, you know, not so much pressure, but more like a spike in a water temperature, like all of a sudden you get a crazy amount of hot or a crazy amount of cold. What if that's going on? Yeah, that's a different situation, and that's a pressure imbalance. And the solution is a valve that's named just that. It's called a pressure balance valve. And what it does is it maintains the mix of hot and cold water that you set 
even if you start to lose pressure on one side or the other, it's not going to change that percentage of mix. So while you might get a less forceful flow, it won't get crazy hot or crazy cold, and it will come back up when the pressure is there, but again, keeping that same mix so you won't get scalded. So that's a pressure balance valve, and if you uh, have that issue with your house, believe me, it is worth the work and the expense to put those valves in, especially in the morning shower. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Dave in West Virginia is on the line and needs help with a water heater. What can we do for you today? Uh, I was wondering if... You know, I know there's efficiency uh, advantages and the convenience advantage with the tankless, but I'm wondering if they last longer in, in hard water areas versus a tank. It seems like I'm replacing a tank water heater about every nine or ten years. The problem with tankless water heaters in hard water areas is that sometimes the internal plumbing of the tankless water heater uh, gets clogged. So you have to have a water softener on that that's effective so that you don't uh, deposit uh, those minerals inside the uh, tankless water heater and uh, and have it jam up on you. So if you have a if you do have soft a uh, water softener, does it, do they last longer than the the ten years usually or less do you get out of a tank type? Yeah, I think so. It's it's more like purchasing a boiler than it is a water heater. So they're pretty durable in that respect. Okay. Because I was reading online, and there just seems to be a lot of different opinions out there, whether they're good or not. And and uh, and I guess there's a lot of controls on them, and on, on regular water heaters, it can go bad. Um, and I guess they're recommending a Daniel service and things like that, where a regular tank type, you don't really... Once you're installed, you don't think too much about them. I really don't think there's that much service to them. Um, I do know there's a lot of misinformation about tankless water heaters out there. You know, for many years, plumbers were putting them in wrong and then blaming the appliance. They would use the wrong size gas lines and things like that. But I think tankless technology has proved out to be uh, very reliable and uh, and something that I think I definitely would do if it was time for a new water heater at my house. Yeah, the problem is it's, you know, in the 20s here and it's failed, so I don't have much time to do much research to uh, to, make this, to make the swap. Do you have any recommendations on making a tank-type water heater last longer uh, beside a water softener? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's really it. Conditioning the water is, is the hot ticket there. Yeah, okay. Well, thanks. All right, Dave. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Laura in Connecticut's on the line with a question about flooring. What can we do for you today? Putting down a laminated flooring in my kitchen that houses a washer and dryer. The washer and dryer, they shimmy a bit. You mean they shimmy as in they're moving across the floor or they just shake a lot? They shake a lot. I mean, they, they shimmy to the point of if I have a my, my coffee pot on the stove, the water will shimmy a little bit in the pot. Seriously. Now, I mean, that could be a balancing thing. It could be, quite frankly, that your washing machine itself isn't perfectly leveled. That could be a matter of adjusting the legs or something's up with the flooring underneath it. But 
you know, that could be one thing. Or if it's not happening with every single load, it could be, you know, how you're loading the washing machine. You could have too much stuff in it. But I would start really by making sure that the washing machine is perfectly leveled and perfectly balanced. And then there are actually pads that you can get at the home centers, even like a Bed Bath & Beyond type place. It's like an anti-vibration pad that goes underneath. Some of them are large enough to fit underneath the entire washing machine. And some of them are more for like the corners under the legs. But they're meant almost like shock absorbers from the machine to the floor. So definitely start with making sure it's fully balanced and level. And I can put these machines directly on my laminate flooring? Yeah, you can. I mean, look, if they're going to shake a lot, you're going to get maybe some abrasion, especially if you get dirt under the leg, that could wear through the laminate surface. But I think Leslie is spot on. Get it leveled and then get the anti-vibration pads or blocks. You can Google this. You know, you'll find them. I've got uh, four of them one under each leg of my washing machine. And I had it in there from when it was brand new and it didn't really shake at all, but it was on the second floor. So I wanted to make sure it was as quiet as possible. And they work fantastic. They're just like rubber spacers that go under the leg of each washing of each of each of the four legs of the washer, and they sit on the floor. And because they're rubber, also they will protect the laminate floor from any scratching. Okay. Thanks for your help. Well, cleaning windows is something that takes a lot of time to do, but when you're done, do you feel like those windows don't look all that much better? Well, it's possible that it's not your imagination. Rubbing glass with paper towels or cloth towels creates static. So before you know it, the dust and the dirt are kind of stuck to your window again. Well, professional window washers know what it is. It's a squeegee. The squeegees are the secret. That's right. Now, if you've got a larger window, you want to start at a top corner and move the squeegee back and forth while you move it down, sort of like you're drawing the letter S. And this part is key. After each stroke, you're going to need to wipe that blade dry. But don't just use any towel. You've got to find one that's lint-free, like a cloth diaper or old table linens, because you don't want to get the lint on the squeegee and then make more streaks in the glass. Yeah, and if you don't wipe it off, you kind of put that water back on the paint you took it off of. So now if your window has panes, speaking of panes, you want to use a utility knife to cut the squeegee so it fits the length of the pane, because obviously you can't use a squeegee that's too big. And then just be sure to pull it down in one single stroke. Yeah, and be sure to stick with a homemade cleaning solution, one that you make of liquid detergent and warm water. And when it drips, you want to use a chamois cloth to soak up that extra water. Yeah, and you'll find those at your local home center. They also absorb without leaving any streaks. So that is also an important tip. Courtney's got a question, and she says, I'm looking to install vinyl plank flooring directly over old parquet floors to avoid the extra work of tearing it up. However, the old floor isn't flat, and it isn't level. How can we install that new flooring while preserving the parquet floors, or should we tear up the floor and replace the subfloor? Well, I mean, you're not exactly preserving the parquet floors, although if they were in good condition, you kind of are doing that. Not quite sure why you would want to do that. But listen, the floor doesn't have to be level, but it does have to be flat because vinyl plank flooring, and we're talking about like engineered vinyl plank flooring, is beautiful stuff. It's incredibly durable. It's very attractive, uh, and it all locks together when you put it in place. But here's the deal. You can't have any gaps under this flooring. So if you've got a sag in that old parquet floor, you're going to have to fill it in. It's got to be flat. Now, you could do that if it's a real big problem. You would use something called floor leveling compound, which is something you mix up like a, it's like a slurry mix and levels it up. 
But, I mean, you're not preserving your parquet floor by doing that. It's just going to be a big mess, I think, by the time you're done. I would, If that was the situation, I would definitely take up the parquet floor. But if it's just a few sort of limited areas, you could actually fill those sags in uh, mechanically, so to speak. You can use thin pieces of wood. You can use um, cedar shakes, for example, as shims. Uh, you can use built-up pieces of tar paper. That works as well. Just make sure it's flat because if you have any gaps under those boards, the problem is that when you step on them, that seam can sort of pull apart, and it's impossible to get it back together. So having that surface be flat is really critical. All right. I hope that helps you out, Courtney. Now we've got George who reached out to the Money Pit, and he says he's got a textured concrete garage floor. Basically, it's concrete that's been brushed to form a grooved surface so that water will run towards the door and outside. What type of flooring options for the garage would be best? You know, I don't think you're limited on flooring options just because that concrete was grooved as you describe it, unless it's like really big grooves, but I've never seen that. It's probably, you know, fairly thin grooves and it probably does work to run the water away. But I think that you could use a floor tile, a garage floor tile on that. Uh, that's what I did in my sort of garage slash shop space. Looks good. It's easy to sweep, easy to keep clean. Uh, and I was able to do a pattern with multiple colors, which looks pretty darn cool. I know. It can be fun to do that in the garage. You can use an epoxy garage floor kit. Uh, you mix up uh, part A and a part B. You apply the epoxy. You put it in some sprinkles that actually help hide the dirt and uh, clear coat on top, and you're good to go. Check out the products by Dyche Coatings. That is actually the product I'm using in my basement right now. So similar to a garage floor, it'll be a super durable surface when I'm done. All right. Good project. And Tom, good project for you, too. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Hey, guys, thank you so much for spending this part of your day with us. We hope that you found some useful advice and ideas to help improve your home. Hey, and if you've got questions, remember, you can reach out to us not just when you hear the show, but literally 24-7. We get calls that come in all hours of the day or night. I'm always most impressed by the they're very well thought of and, and you know, well-written calls that come in like around 3 a.m. Some people literally can't sleep because they're thinking about home improvement. So whether that's you or whether you stick to the normal hours, please reach out to us at one eight 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 money pit or post your questions to moneypit.com because we look forward to answering them. Until then, I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Hey!